Young Samuel repeatedly hears a voice in the night, and he supposes it to be that of Eli. Eli realizes the boy is being called by God and tells Samuel to be open to God's word. A reading from the uh, first book of Samuel. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls, calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came uh, and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Will you please stand as we sing together Psalm 139, starting on page 3.
Please be seated. Baptism frees Jesus' followers from the constraints of the law, but this does not mean that Christians have no moral obligations. Our actions should give honor and glory to God. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body. But the, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. I'm feeling a little more coherent this week than last week. I feel like I'm in the right time zone, finally, um, sleeping until morning and, and going to bed at night instead of going to bed in the afternoon and waking up in the dark. So it's good to kind of be back in that, in that sink. The stories that we heard um, today, the Old Testament and the Gospel, are stories of call, stories of vocation, um, God asking us, um, to do something. It's interesting in John's Gospel, we sort of start in the middle of the call of, of all of the disciples. If you back up a few verses, um, John the Baptist is standing by the River Jordan, 
And he sees Jesus walking by and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then sees him again the next day and says the same thing. And two of John's disciples are intrigued by that and they begin to follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and sees them and says to them, What do you seek? And those are the first words out of Jesus' mouth in John's Gospel, so we ought to pay very close attention to them. The Gospel, John's Gospel, is going to try and answer the question, what do you seek? So whatever it is that we're looking for, John will tell us, this is where we find it. They say to Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where do you remain? In John's context, the temple has been destroyed. It's not at all clear where God remains in the world. And so it's a good question. Where are you staying? Where do we find God in the world? What do you seek? And the response is, where do we find God in the world? And Jesus says to them, come and see. And so they go with him, and they stay with him that day. John doesn't waste any words Um, they stay with him that day. The only way to see what God is doing is to spend some time in a place. Come and see, come and stay with me. They stay the rest of that day, and then the next day, Jesus decides to go to Galilee, and he finds Philip and just says to Philip, follow me. It's the first time we meet Philip in the Gospel, and Philip just up and follows Jesus. And he goes to Nathanael and says to Nathanael, We have found the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote, Jesus, Bar-Joseph, from Nazareth. And Nathanael responds the way any good Jew would, what could possibly good come from that hick town, Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. Um, That's up there in Galilee of the Gentiles. Nothing good could possibly come from there. And as Nathanael approaches Jesus, Jesus says, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no trickery. And Nathaniel is sort of startled and says, How did you know me? Of course, we're about to hear of Jacob's ladder, the allusion to Jacob's ladder, the angels of God ascending and descending um, on that ladder. And so Nathaniel is the antithesis of Jacob. Jacob is full of trickery. And of course, he's the person who gets the name Israel. Nathaniel has no trickery. Here is an Israelite in whom there is no trickery. And Nathaniel says, how did you know me? He said, I saw you before Philip called you under the fig tree. The fig tree, according to the rabbis, is a good place to read the scriptures. So presumably that's what Nathaniel was doing, sitting under the fig tree, reading Moses and the prophets so that he would know something about the Messiah, sort of like a mango tree in Louis, a good place to sit and gather community and have a school. Um, There are some classrooms under mango trees that I have pictures of. Studying scripture. And so Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. This is treasonous stuff. He's just called him Caesar and Herod. And Jesus says, because I saw you under the fig tree you believe, you will see greater things than these. And then turns to the readers of the gospel. In English, we've lost the singular and plural forms of you. We used to have it in thou. Thou was singular. You was plural. He says, truly, truly, I say to you all, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, or upon the human being. When Jacob ran away after having tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright and out of his blessing, 
He stops at Bethel, sleeps with a rock for his pillow, not very comfortable, I would imagine, and sees this vision of the ladder of God with angels of God going up and down, the envoys of God. He wakes up and says, truly, God was in this place, and I did not know it. It is the very vestibule of God's throne room. The envoys of God coming and going from God are taking God's instructions out for the governing of the world, and that's happening from Bethel. The northern kingdom would build its temple at Bethel because this is where God sends his envoys to and from. In our passage, we're told that the envoys of God come and go on the human being. Where do we see God's will worked out for the world? In community. Come and see. Come and spend some time. You all are going to get sick about hearing, sick of hearing about Louis um, before I'm done talking about Louis, but I'm going to prevail on you today. Assume you're not sick of it yet. Um, when we got there, the second day we were there, Vasco, um, the diocesan secretary, told me he wanted me to come to the diocesan office because he wanted to show me something. Come and see, he said. Um, Vasco was here in this building. Um, when we heard, when Deb got back, and we established our sister relation with Lozo, um, and we heard that the church burned. Um, it was Mark, who at the time was eight years old, that came to me and said, can't we do something? Decided to have a bake sale. Um, the Sunday school kids baked, I don't know how many hundreds of hot cross buns. We sold them on Palm Sunday and raised $450. Well, Vasco was coming during Easter, and I wanted something to present to him, so I ran over to Office Max and took a check out of um, a checkbook blew it up to three feet long, filled it out, had the kids sign it. You know, it cost me all of a couple of bucks, I think, to have that done. I figured we could present it to Vasco. He'd get back to his hotel room, throw it in the trash can, right? Too, too difficult to take back to Louie. But there was the check, $450. All the kids signed the signature line. So Vasco said to me the second day, I want you to come to the, to the office I want to show you something. So I got to the office, and there was that check framed. <laughs> he had it framed before he left the United States. They don't have framing shops over in Louis. And the glass had broken, but they kept it. He said, we use this with our catechism classes to teach about the Anglican Communion. Said the Anglican Communion is kind of a little abstract to talk to kids about. So when we talk about the Anglican Communion, we take out this check and show them and say there's a parish in Missouri that prays for a parish in Lozo. And when they heard that the church burned, they raised some money. The kids raised money to help put the metal roof on the building. Well, here's a picture of the church at Lozo. It's probably the prettiest church in the diocese. Samaritan's Purse helped build it. Um, and there's the metal roof on the top. I want you to know that all of the woodwork in that building is mahogany. They use mahogany like we would use pine. Um, so they take that check out. You know, Mark, like the boy Samuel, says, can't we do something? Can't we have a bake sale? And I just tossed this little thing off thinking it was a couple of bucks and he'd throw it away. They take that check out to teach about the Anglican communion. Where do we see God at work in the world? 
in community in startling little ways. Notice that when Jesus calls the disciples in John's Gospel, he doesn't say, go heal the sick, go feed the hungry, go raise the dead, all of those things that he tells them in the other Gospels. He says simply, come and see. It's not our job to make God present in the world. It's simply our job to notice where that's happening. You all will see greater things than these. You will see the angels of God, the envoys of God, the people who take decisions with God for the running of the world, ascending and descending upon the human being in human community. Come and see. One last little note. Um, when we were there, we went to the dedication of the diocesan office building at Mundry. Archbishop Daniel was there. And we had lunch with him. We were honored guests and sat in the, in the payat with him. He was directly across from the door, and we were kind of arranged around. And we were all kind of a little embarrassed, not quite sure what to talk about. And he raised the issue of the Lambeth Conference. He also came by the next day on his way back to Juba and stopped and talked to us again. So he saw us twice while we were there. He said, I want you to understand that I was under tremendous pressure by other African churches not to attend Lambeth at all. And the statement that I gave at Lambeth was not my own opinion necessarily, but that of the Sudanese church. But the subtext, what he was telling us, and he told us very clearly, and I think we need to understand, is that the Episcopal Church of Sudan did not attend GAFCON, the conservative conference at, at Jerusalem the week before Lambeth. They went to Lambeth. Uganda, Nigeria, Rwanda, those churches did not go to Lambeth at all. The Episcopal Church of Sudan was there. So they remain in the Anglican Communion, as difficult as that relationship may be. And part of the reason they remain in the Anglican Communion is because of a silly little $3 photographed check that we made because it makes the Anglican Communion tangible. So God, Jesus doesn't call us and say, go feed the hungry, go raise the dead, go heal the sick, go change the world. He says, come and see. See what God is already doing in the world. And then notice it, pay attention, and rejoice in it. Amen.